Hi, I'm Leo Finelli, and you're listening to Generation Change. Welcome to Season 3 of Generation Change with Leo Finelli. Our first guest of the new season is Isabel Mavridas Calderon. Isabel is a teen disability rights activist and organizer. Her work focuses on disability policy and accessibility, particularly within education. Isabel has organized and hosted grassroots conferences with the ACLU about disability policy issues such as the SSI Restoration Act and campaigns against Supreme Court cases that threaten the ADA and more. In addition, she was instrumental in the implementation of remote options for disabled New York City public school students. Isabel is currently publishing a research study on accessibility in education. She has worked as an accessibility consultant for various think tanks, Target, and the Australian National Climate Strike. Isabel cannot wait to continue serving her community, and it was an honor to talk with her. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Isabel Mavridas Calderon, and I'm from New York City. I'm Leo. Hi, Leo. So what inspired you to become a disability rights activist? It's probably my own experiences as a disabled person. And basically realizing that my main issue wasn't my body itself, it was the barriers from society that were holding me back. And becoming a disability rights activist let me, I mean, fall in love with my body, fall in love with who I am, and instead try to change the world to become more accommodating of me instead of me changing myself. I have a spinal cord injury that I obtained because I have a genetic connective tissue disorder. So it's genetic disease that makes it really easy for me to get injured, which is why I had a spinal cord injury. I also have some issues like breathing normally, but right now I'm doing pretty good. So what do you think policymakers should be doing for people with disabilities? I think that we should absolutely address the fact that the ADA, as we have it right now, the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is a law to protect disabled folk, isn't nearly enough, and it isn't protected nearly enough. Right now, we have seen Supreme Court cases like CBS versus DOE. We've seen LACCD, PIAN versus LACCD. There's all these Supreme Court cases that are working to gut the Americans with Disabilities Act, our civil rights protections. So I think policymakers need to work on ensuring that the ADA isn't so easily threatened and expanding the law to address different issues like transportation, like eugenics with ventilators. There's so many more issues that need to be covered and there's so much work, more work that needs to be done. Yeah. So what can we do in our everyday lives to make our world more disability accessible? There's so many different people can help make the world more accessible in different ways. For example, if you're a teacher, you could include disabled people into your curriculum, you could include disabled people in history into your curriculum. If you're a parent, you can talk to your children about disability, tell them not to be scared about disability, have an open and honest conversation with it, whether your children are disabled or not. Because I think far too often, we try to tiptoe around disability, we try to pretend like it doesn't exist, and by doing that, we're only further stigmatizing it. And then, for example, if you're a business owner, you can work on making your business accessible. You can go above and beyond from just what the ADA says. If you're another thing business owners could do is they can actually hire disabled people. There's all, for every single one of us, there's steps that we can take. Yeah. I have never been as excited as I am today to drop the pin because I wanted to ask you about where you grew up and you are from New York, New York. 
Yes, I am. I love it here. <laughs> Which part of New York? I live in Manhattan. How do you feel about New York? And how do you think it shaped you as a person living there? I think New York City is like a cultural center. There's, it's a melting pot of so many different people. Both my parents are Latino immigrants. So I've been able to see so many people from different cultures here, which has been such a privilege. And I've been able to see other people like myself. I've been able to see other disabled people. And it's really shaped who I am because it's opened my perspective up to so many different viewpoints because there's people from everywhere here. So it, it really has 100% shaped the type of person I am today. Yes, it really is the United City of the world. <laughs> I, I totally agree with that. Do you ever, like, go just people watch somewhere in the city? Yeah, I mean, I, I love even just, like, go, I love going to different neighborhoods in New York because every neighborhood is so distinct and so different. And I love just going to a different place, going to a different cafe. I think coffee shops are a great place to watch people. You can step into a different neighborhood and be in, it feels, feels like you're in a different country. Truly, it's it. It's such a special place. I have always seen New York that way, even though I do not live there. So what are some of the most important moments to you along your journey as an advocate? I think something like that really shaped my journey as an advocate was COVID-19 because it was a time where disabled people were dying at a three times higher rate and disabled people were really being oppressed at a higher rate and our community was being disproportionately harmed. So I think that made me a better advocate because I learned how to face a time where my community was in the most danger. And it also was a very hard time to do activism because the streets weren't necessarily safe for disabled people. I'm high risk myself, so it was hard to go and protest outside because I was scared I would get COVID-19. So it was, an, it was a very interesting time, but it made me learn to adapt and it opened my eyes to the type of oppression that my community can face. So how do you do activism and avoid burnout and or stress? I think it's all about balancing. I think I'm still learning. I mean, I'm only 17 and I don't think I've got the perfect formula yet. I think the fact that I have other things in my life outside of activism, like being disabled yourself is having to advocate for yourself every single day. But I be going to school and learning about different things and doing like I do competitive speech and debate, which is like an opportunity to get away from this very high stakes world. I think so often in activism, it could feel like we have the entire world in our hands. Like it could feel very like life or death because these things are life or death. But sometimes we need to remember that there are other people in this movement. There are other people fighting for this. So if we take a break, the world won't crumble. The world won't fall apart. So it's okay to take breaks. But I think that took me a long time to realize. So I often thought, thought I was a bad person if I took a break. But I think now as I'm growing up, I'm starting to realize that this isn't all just on me. There's a whole community supporting us. So what are your feelings about the word disability? Have you ever encountered anyone who really doesn't want to be called disabled and or doesn't want their condition to be referred to that way? Yeah, absolutely. My view, General, I, for me, I love the, disabled, the word disabled for myself. I think that it describes the way that my body is limited. I can't do everything. And I think that's a really accurate descriptor for myself. But I think every person has the right to identify in any way that they desire. So if someone doesn't want to be referred to as disabled, then that's totally valid. And they can refer to their condition in any way as they want. But I do think the word disabled is a, it's a really accurate descriptor for how I see myself. So tell me about your work as a competitive speaker in the national speech and debate circuit. It's something that I'm, I think for me kind of saved me because I got into speech and debate when I was recovering from a spinal surgery. 
And I was kind of in this mindset that I couldn't do anything. I was just stuck in bed. And then I found speech and debate. And I found that it's something that I could do if I was lying down, if I was sitting down, if I was in the hospital, because um, speaking is something that my disability doesn't impact at all. So it was really freeing to find this activity that my disability didn't want to impact in it. I could still do it. And it gave me an opportunity to talk about disability rights and have this platform of other young people. Speech and debate is a high school competitive activity. So I was speaking to other young people and it gave me the opportunity to speak about issues I care about. So I'm really grateful for it. It taught me a lot hearing other people's perspectives opens up and opens up our minds. Yeah. And so I feel like social media has created that whole echo chamber thing that prevents us from like really hearing and understanding the other opinions. Yeah, no, I totally get that. It could often be a place. I mean, we're deciding what we see. So that lets us uh, create our own little world. That's not necessarily reality. Yeah. So who are your role models in activism and in life? Absolutely, Judy Human. She's the pioneer of the disability rights movement from like the 60s. So she's been around for a while and she's the reason that disabled people have basic human rights today. And I was really, really lucky that just recently she came and spoke at my school and my school let me introduce her and I had a wonderful conversation with her. But I really look up to her that she was doing activism before it was trendy, that she was fighting for people's rights from the beginning. I think a lot of times right now, especially the disability rights movement, we're seeing a lot more of just online activism and we're seeing very little physical organizing. We're seeing very little protests. We're seeing very little going to the streets to make change. And I do really look back at how she made so much change in such a small amount of time and think that we need to take those actions today. We need to take actions like they used to today instead of just like reposting things to our Instagram stories. So what are your plans for the near future? Well, right now, I mean, I'm applying to college because I'm a senior in high school. So that's like my plan in my personal life. I, I think that we'll, I'll end up at the place that's best for me. So I'm not too um, stressed about that. But I'm excited to find a community where I can continue activism with like, like-minded people. So I absolutely enjoyed this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Loved having you on the show. Bye. Bye. I love how Isabel and I have different perspectives on the word disabled and how we were able to accept each other's perspectives on that word. It just goes to show that there's no such thing as one-size-fits-all inclusive language. Isabel was also insightful about how hard it was to step away from activism. She felt guilty stepping away, but she also knew that she was burnt out. I recently saw a survey report called Looking Forward with Gen Z that found that while Gen Z cares deeply about the issues our society is grappling with, their own health and happiness and the health and happiness of their friends and family is more important. I would encourage this for our listeners as well. Before doing anything else, make sure that you're okay. P.S. If you haven't already voted early, there are only a few more days until Election Day. Our future is on the line, so get out there and vote. If you'd like to recommend someone you know who is trying to make a difference to be on the show, or if you are someone trying to make a difference and would like to be on the show, email us at generationchange at leofinelli.com. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at genchangewithlf. That's at Gen Change with LF. 
follow and review wherever you get your podcasts, and just share this with your friends and others. Generation Change with Leo Finelli is hosted by Leo Finelli, executive produced by Julie Finelli, and edited by Nick and Leo Finelli. Our original music was composed and performed by Leo Finelli. Thank you so much for listening.